two readings from the Bible, one from the New, one from the Old Testament. First in Ephesians, I'm sure this is a familiar passage. I hope it is. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us the, in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And the second reason from Jeremiah, again, verses 1 to 10. The, word of, uh, the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkaliah, one of the priests of Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, don't say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for Jeremiah and Paul. Thank you for Miriam. <laughs> Thank you for each one of us. Amen. <laughs> Hello. Uh, Uh, this morning, I was talking at uh, the door, on the door, 
by the door to, um, on the door sounds weird, doesn't it? Like some sort of bat, I don't think. <laughs> by the door to someone who's just started coming to church again. And uh, we were privileged this morning to, to see witness share in the, the baptismal event of two people, a husband and wife, who've become followers of Jesus. It was lovely, it really was, to hear their story and to, uh, to have the privilege of baptizing them and, and all that that means, a huge amount. And I was talking to this particular lady on the way out, and she said, I was moved to tears. And I said, why was that? I wasn't quite so abrupt. I said, tell me more. <laughs> why? Stop that crying. Uh, I said, why? What do you, why was that? She said, I remembered when I was baptized. And I said, when was that? And she said, well, it was when I was in Sussex and Worthing. I was a month before, she's not, I'm just checking she's not here. Uh, she, <laughs> a month before her 18th birthday, and she'd become a Christian, and her mum was really angry and said, wait, just wait till you're 18. And she said, it won't make any difference. I want to do it now. And she did. And she's been on a long journey since. And she's just moved to the area and just started coming back to church. It reminded me of uh, some words we used to use in the church I used to lead in Leicester. It was some words we'd say at a baptismal service, the end of the service. And the words went something like this, remember your baptism and be thankful. And as she, she, uh, she told me the story of, of her almost 18th baptism, I was reminded of that uh, of those words, remember your baptism and be thankful. And I wasn't so much looking at the congregation this morning, but for all those who've been baptized, there's, there's that kind of reminder. It's like when uh, someone else, you kind of remember, oh yeah, I was baptized. For me, it was in March in Newcastle, 1993. I remember my baptism. There's so much caught up in that. There's so much of, of retelling. Uh, there's something about being certain of God who's called us. For, for Paul in, in the, the letter to the church in, in Ephesus, and it's not the only place that he talks about it, he, he has this beautiful, wonderful, uh, full of doctrine, lots of, of uh, big words and concepts, and, and so much of what it means to profess faith. But part of it that, that is in, inherent in what Paul is speaking, he says wonderfully, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace. Now that those verses have caused some controversy whether you're a Calvinist or not and uh, an ultra-Calvinist or not or... Um, Arminian, there's all sorts of things. You're probably thinking, what are these words meaning? And in some sense, they're kind of like a bit of, they're not distractions, they're really important. But at the heart of it, Paul is saying, don't you know? Don't you remember? Don't you recall that he has chosen you? He has predestined you since the creation of the world. He had you in mind, which blows our mind. Uh, for, for Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to him. I knew you as you were being formed as a, a zygote, as, a, as an embryo, as a, as a developing fetus in the womb. I knew you and called you by name. It's astonishing. 
It's wonderful. I love uh, how uh, Rick Warren uh, in... Um, what was called Purpose Driven Life. I'm not, what on earth am I here for, I think, isn't it? Uh, now it's called. But one of the things he, he says in, in the opening kind of parts, he reminds that we're not an accident. We're not an accident. We're not by chance. We're not just by a mistake or a random collection of happens chances or just the meeting of one sperm out of millions who happen to swim faster. There's something more profound, mysterious, and wonderful in that process of the Lord meeting, calling. Since the, before the creation of the world, he predestined us. He knows us by name. And that's something that is foundational for us as believers if we feel alone or struggling or downcast or, or weak. To know that he knows us. He, it's implicit again, well, explicit actually, in, uh, as he says to Jeremiah in his call, in his commissioning, in his being uh, sent uh, in to do quite a difficult task. He says, I am with you. I am with you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. That assurance for the Christian, that certainty for the believer. I'm known. I'm known. But it, it kind of made me think a little bit as I was remembering uh, about baptism, my own, as I, as I sometimes in my life, I, um, there are kind of not only Christmas and Easter and the, the things that we do regularly in church life. There are things in my own personal life that, that I kind of note in my mind. So there's the day that I became a Christian, the anniversary, the 10th of November, uh, is one of them. Kind of around March time, uh, March the, I think it was the 20, 20th, 22nd, I'd need to look back, but my baptism, that sounds vague now, doesn't it? But it was that sort of time in Newcastle in 1993. The date of my ordination uh, into full-time kind of this sort of stuff as a, as a leader, as a minister, June. I remember them. And I, I, I sometimes catch myself thinking, why do you remember going over this again? And I actually remember it's really good to do that. It's really good to do that. Um, one of the things I've, I've, uh, I, I've noticed, I, I went to, to visit my Canadian relatives a few years ago now, in 2012. Um, first time I'd seen a lot of them. And, and my cousin, who's a, year, a month younger than me, has, ha- has got five children. And they're all handful and they're all a bit wild, but they're lovely. And... Uh, I hadn't met any of them, and so the very first meeting, uh, they were, we were having dinner, and they were all very excited because their English cousin had come, and, and they were all a bit like the novelty of the accent and, and all that, and um, of course I amazed them with my child uh, and all that. And um, they wanted, they were just in the course of getting to always sharing stories, and they happened, they happened it, Rupert, my cousin, said to them, you know, because they were a little bit mystified of what it means to be a leader of a minister, a reverend. They were like, never met one of these before. And they just, they couldn't, they couldn't quite work it out. And Rupert, my cousin, who's known me obviously all my life, said, um, he said, he wasn't always like this. And the kids were like, what? <laughs> really? And they said, what do you mean, Dad? And they said, well, he was a bit of a tearaway when he was younger. No, they said. And I said, no, it's not true. And anyway, it is true. So they, they kind of got me to tell them. They said, tell us that what is the worst thing you've done. 
to think carefully at that point. Uh, these young impressional things. And uh, I, I told them this story. Um, I told them about how I blew up the house when I was 12. And they said, really? And they said, tell us another one. So I said, I told them about the time I hid on that. We had a long drive that had a big hedge on it. And the, there's loads of like clods of earth. And so I was a bit naughty. I think I was about seven at this point. And I used to pick up the clods. And I used to, as a car came, and I used to throw them at the cars. <gasps> you did that? I said, it was really scary because one of them, it hit the window. It didn't smash the window. The car stopped, reversed, came up the drive. Thankfully, the big bushes hit me well. <gasps> really? What else did you do? So I said, well, when I was about four, I pulled all the tail feathers out of a parakeet. <gasps> I'm not going to go through all of the things I've done. We'll be here some time. I did get banned from some of my parents' friends. Got the nickname Vandal. <laughs> it's quite funny. Every time, they're now, like, it's five years later. And it was lovely. I went uh, earlier this year, month, um, this year to see them. After the kind of initial, tell us that story again. Which one? The what you did. did tell us the bad stories. <laughs> and it's like, you know these. Hey, oh, but tell us, tell us about this, the, car, the soil and the cars. <laughs> it's something that's about children that they get. Children get this, that they like to have the story again and again. Do you remember Teletubbies? And you hated it, and yeah. But there was that little bit, Zach will remember it, uh, or Harriet. There's that little bit in it that goes again, again, again. And I've noticed it with um, lots of friends' kids that you show them something like Pepper the Pig, or you, I mean, they're dreadful, pro, and they're awful, honestly. I, they, they, you know, I, I can't understand why they like them, but it's like they watch it, and, and then you go, then, you know, you read them a story, and then the next night they're like, I want to see that again. Yeah, you saw it last night. Get, you know, there's something more exciting now. There's something better. No, again, again, again. There's something about the retelling that's quite important. And it's actually really biblical. I think one of the, the things about us adults, particularly Western adults, is we become very quickly bored with the same. We kind of like, hey, I know that, and kind of like disdain it, cast it off. Move, you know, next, that's old school, that's yesterday. You know, that's, I mean, who likes, uh, I, I'm going to, no, I'm not going to go down that track. I'm going to be pop culture like Justin Bieber and all that One Direction. I've, I've no idea really who's popular or not, or who's has been. But it's amazing how quickly the current, the fashionable is discarded. That phrase, today's news, yes. To, yes, tomorrow's fish and chip wrapper. But there's something actually about the vital, the essential, that actually is retold. So, so for Paul, in, in Ephesians, he says, don't you remember? You were predestined. You were chosen in his will. You were called before the, the foundations of the world. For Paul... In his story of conversion, the story of his call, the story of his encounter and his beginning and of how he was rescued out of darkness, there was this, this kind of burning thing that he would remember it and tell it. So it's not written by Paul, but it's clearly influenced very much by Paul. The book of Acts, 
or Acts in the New Testament, Luke's part two, how many times does Paul or Luke tell us Paul's testimony? Three times, Bible student here. Great, Westminster Theological Center, I'll write a letter of commendation. It's right, three times. So in Acts 9, and then as he's testifying later, three times in the space of 28 chapters, actually between chapter 9 and chapter 28, three times Paul tells his story. Why is Luke doing that? Chris will write an essay on that for me. He adds the, ah, it's just like for you then, isn't it? And there's lots of reasons, because the, the story isn't always, the story, the story that Luke recounts or Paul tells in those different contexts is different, and people argue why. But essentially, in, I, I think what Luke is doing is saying that, that actually the story of how we encounter God, or technically how God encounters us, of how life moves from darkness to light, of, of being born again, of, of conversion, whether that's the immediate November the 10th, 1991 for me, or whether it's you've grown up with, or you've, you've had a journey and you can't pinpoint it. The, the details aren't particularly important, but the story of God at work in our lives is. Whether that's, and that is how we come to faith, but, but at those times when we've heard God, we've perceived God, we've understood his call upon our life. For Jeremiah, why is, why is this really personal story at the beginning of, of this, the longest book in the Bible by most words, why is it recorded, this most intimate encounter of, of Jeremiah as a young man, child, he says, I, I, who am I to go and do this? I, I don't know how to speak, I'm too young, young lad that God calls. Why is, that, why is that captured for us and, and canonized, put into Scripture for all time for us? Well, it, maybe it's to do with his credentials. Maybe it's to remind us that, that God's kind of called this prophet. Maybe it was, you know, that later on he's going to have some tough stuff to say and people are going to say, that's fake news, Jeremiah. God wouldn't say that. See, I'm being culturally relevant now. Uh, and, uh, and actually, I'm going to say, this is what the Lord says. But I think, too, for Jeremiah, as it's called between chapters 10 and 20, they're called the Confessions of Jeremiah. And if you ever read a passage of depressing scripture and of someone who's really, really not very happy with his lot, Jeremiah 10 to chapter 20 is, is painful stuff to read. Guess the point. Jeremiah says to God, curse be the day that I was conceived. It would have been better if I'd have been never born. I mean, from this point of, I knew you. Maybe in the dark places, it's good to remember. Maybe in the challenging times, it's good to recall the story of Jesus and the action of God in our lives. I hope you've got those memories. If you haven't, begin them. Put your trust in Jesus. Invite him into your life. Say, here I am, Lord. Take this. Breathe life into it and let me live for you. I'll follow you. But I, I think it's, it's also there, just as it's written for, in Ephesians by Paul and recounted by Luke in Acts. There's something really important about the remembering and not just the remembering, the retelling there's something that we don't grow out of and we don't cast aside as old news. 
yesterday has been. There's something really vibrant. I mean, think about it in the church cycle of the year. We come again and again to the, the major festival and say, this is really important, church, that we go through these uh, of Christmas, of, of that announcement. I mean, we, we don't do it brilliantly in our church because we, we do other things. But when I had to write an essay about this, it was about the Christian year. You know, there's, there's like in, in the Anglican liturgy, there's when the kind of church calendar starts in November and there's Trinity Sunday and then there's, there's the Advent period of preparation. There's Christmas and Epiphany and, and now we're in Lent and I'm wearing purple particularly because I learned about it uh, for the right color to wear. Uh, I'm not really, I'm just happy to be the shirt I put on. Uh, and then there's Holy Week and Easter and then uh, then there's Pentecost, there are 50 days to Pentecost and, and uh, on goes the year. Why is it again and again and again? Because it's important that we don't forget. In the Old Testament, one of the key things in their church here were the festivals and in particular the festival of Passover of atonement, where they, they gather and remember of, um, of how God rescued them from Egypt, of the Passover, of, of redoing annually this meal, and the little voice of the youngest child at the table, why are we doing this? And the oldest person, well, let me tell you a story. Interestingly, the tenses of that story being told are when we were in Egypt, even centuries after, when we were. It's not when great, 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 great Elijah or Moses or all of them. It's when we, their story, their story, every year telling the smallest child, saying, what is this about? And the older generation saying, this is what we're about. Retelling, telling, telling the story. Isn't that what we, we, we enact? And, and, and again, in our church tradition here, we don't do it weekly, but, but we do it twice a month. What am I talking about? The Lord's Supper, communion. Of that, breaking the bread. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Taking the bread, taking the cup, remembering, recalling, retelling. Because it's in the remembering and the recalling and the retelling that not only do we kind of look back and go, oh yeah, but the power of that event becomes the present reality. It wasn't just for then, it is now and forwards. There's something really important because in our call, in God's action with us, that he is intended for every person. That's the basis of mission. That there's dozens and hundreds of people around us who don't know that before the very foundation of the world, the God's called them. God's called them by name as they were formed as little embryos and little ages of Miriam, wherever she's got to. Uh, God knows. God purposed that they should be part of his family. Call this encounter, this remembering, whether it's from baptism or conversion or the times that God's kind of like there's been an open heaven or a, there's been a thin place or we remember something. I've, I've got speaking of that. And it's not all the time. 
Sometimes, as John of the Cross talks about, the, the dark nights of the soul. Sometimes it does seem prayers bounce off the ceiling. Sometimes it's slog. It's just continued obedience without a kind of much reward. Much kind of like this. It's not swinging from the chandeliers. It's just normal Christian living. Faithful, obedient, humble, day by day, consistent in the same direction. But that remembering reminds us of the real experience with the living God, that God has initiated, God has taken the first move, God has set the wheels in motion, that this is God's plan and purpose. The reminder of call reminds us that there's always a struggle in the story of Jeremiah, as God calls, there's a resistance. There's sometimes like, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to remember it. But God says, I am there. I have called you. You are mine. Remember, my dear child. Remember. Remember. That the voice, the call of God comes into the everyday, to the ordinary, to the now, to the living the God's call comes not just to the, to the most brilliant and the most beautiful and the most qualified, but comes to us all. Francis of Assisi said, God picks the weakest, the smallest, the meanest of people on the face of the earth, and he uses them. Someone said it like this, the call to follow Jesus is a call to participate with him in the divine rescue. Helping people along a journey out of the bondage of Satan's kingdom into the joyous freedom of God's rule. The rescued become the rescuers. As Dallas Willard, a writer, a great thinker, writer, commentator said this, the only biblical category of Christians is that they are intentional apprentices of Jesus, both desiring to learn how to live appropriately under God's rule and how to offer its blessings to others. What he's trying to say is this, As Jesus called the disciples by the Sea of the Galilee, come John, come Peter, come Nathaniel, come, come follow me. The call came to them. I purposed and planned this. You're not accidents, you're not just flotsam in the universal wind of happens chance. You're mine and you're precious and you're honored. I'm calling, I've come for you. I've come to give you new life and direction to set out on this journey. And they do. And they remember it and it's recalled for us. And even to the meanest, uh, like Saul, who was, he said he's the worst of sinners. He's not just exaggerating. He, he knew his own heart. He said, the Lord came. And he was delighted to tell that story. It's called testimony. But it's not just the encounter of, of when it began. It's the ongoing story of how good God is in our life, of telling that story. Call is important. The retelling is important. Not just for the others, but for ourselves. When I, I think it's, it's got too much or it's all a bit, oh, and there are days like that. There are certain things I remember. The remembering of my call and the promises I made as I was ordained and of why I was giving up my life in that way. I remember, I go, okay, yeah. And there are other times that I, I look back and when maybe there are doubts and I'm thinking, oh, how does this work? 
I come back to, do I believe that Jesus died, crucified? Yes. Do I believe he was buried? Yes. What happened next? Was the tomb empty? Yeah. With all of my intellect and all of my belief and all of, of what I can see with evidence that points in the direction, the tomb was empty. And I go, oh, yeah. And I then begin to think, well, how do I know that? And I think of the story of the scripture and the, and the, the reliability of the, uh, of the, of the scriptures. And, and I start to remember the things that I've seen and witnessed and that are demonstrably Jesus alive at work. And I retell myself. And I recall. And it builds my faith. And stirs my viewpoint. And reminds me to that which he's called me. Not to be the center of my universe. But to center around him. That he's called me. As he commissioned Jeremiah. Sometimes with challenging words. I appoint you to over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. To Paul, to John, to each one of us, he calls us because he loves us. He calls us and says, come follow me. And that means there's a journey. There's a purpose. We're not accidental. He's called us to his plans. And his ways. Onwards we go. Let's pray together.